0: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race, hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
1: Does Chicago have a park problem? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Rick Weber was walking along the vast plaza at Buckingham Fountain recently, and a thought struck him. It's just so empty. That got him wondering, why isn't there anywhere to sit? Where are the tables, the coffee shacks, or the food stalls? He sent a tweet, and it went sort of viral. Lots of Chicagoans chimed in with strong feelings. And lurking underneath were fears about safety and violence, just a week after a teenager died in a shooting at Millennium Park. With us right now is Rick Weber, who posted the tweet that started all of this conversation. Rick, welcome to Reset.
2: Hi, Sasha. Thanks so much for having me. Good morning, everyone.
1: Also with us is Taylor Moore, a Chicago based freelance journalist. Taylor, thanks for joining us.
3: Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me.
1: Rick, you tweeted this picture near Buckingham Fountain. It shows a lot of the empty, bricked plaza all around the fountain. Why'd you do that?
2: Um, you know, I it was, you know, it was it was a relatively bleak day, but it was, you know, it was a weekday. It was, you know, four thirty in the afternoon and um I live in Albany Park, so it's it's a good, you know, 40-minute hoof on the train to, to get down there. And, you know, I grabbed a coffee on the way and, you know, finished it and kind of settled in and was just kind of, you know, watching some of the people that were there milling about and was just kind of noticing, like, a very similar pattern where, you know, people were, were just sort of wandering around, like, looking for something to do. They kind of take their photo by the fountain, and then they leave. And I don't mm-hmm. think anybody really was, you know, lingering for – more than a few minutes, uh, to get this, this shot, the vendors were closed and I was, you know, I, I was feeling hungry and, and a little woozy. And I was just thinking like, you know, it'd be so great to like make an, a, a whole afternoon out of, out of this experience next yeah. to this beautiful fountain with this iconic view, you know, this just, you know, like world-class view to see, to just, to have, you know, tables and chairs and umbrellas and, and food options and, you know, different vendors or or entertainments, um, et cetera, you know, and there are a, a couple of vendors there currently. I know there's a Bucks Bar and then there's like a little pizza pastry place mm-hmm. that were both closed. There was like a hot dog uh, stand, the, the relish hot dog stand uh, uh, kind of in the park there on your way. That was also closed. And I also I, I mean I, I own a I own a little cocktail bar in, in Albany Park as well called uh, Bokeh and I, I work in hospitality. I have a I have a education background in, in urban planning, um, but I work in hospitality and so I'm always kind of thinking about hospitality. I see. And yeah. I was really thinking about like what do visitors to the city think of when they when they like when they get out to this this you know kind of iconic world-class sites. Um, and there's nothing there for them, you know?
1: Yeah. And, uh, you tagged Chicago park district in your tweet. Did you expect it to get such a big response,
2: Rick? Uh, you know, I really was, I, I did not, um, you know, I don't have a lot of Twitter followers, um, at all. And, and it was just kind of a, a random observation, um, so I I was I was very surprised that it 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 took off. But I think it's it's it was also I mean it was really nice to see how people how like how engaged people were, how passionate people feel about our, our public spaces. Um I mean, you know, like I said, I mean we we have this iconic world class city. I mean, people yeah. visit us, you know, from all over the world. Um not every city has, you know, a a Picasso to walk by or a Chagall, you know, mosaic or a Joao Miro sculpture. And you know, I think it's 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 these spaces are important to us. They should be, we should be invested in them. We should be guarding them. We should be talking about them. And I think that that it's, you know, cities aren't stuck in, in a bottle, you know, like yeah. they, they change, they grow, they evolve, and they should, right? Um, I think, you know, we, we don't want a static, undynamic city. And so I think it's important to have these conversations about revisiting yeah. how we approach these, these public spaces.
1: Well, well, of the people who were engaged with your tweet, it was Taylor, right? Taylor, you you weighed in on the topic as well. And you, you suggested that Chicago could look more like Paris. What did you mean by that?
3: Yeah. Um, so when Rick had tweet, tweeted that, um, he'd include a photo of the you know surrounding area of Buckingham Fountain looking very empty, and um, when he mentioned that... You know with this could look like europe um that really struck a nerve for me because I didn't know I could want that of um a Chicago park' cause it just um, this past November I had gone on vacation to paris, and you know the the public gardens um I think the the picture I'd uh, posted was of the the Tuileries it was so gorgeous um and they're you know, there, there were so many people just milling about, um, enjoying the, the beautiful weather, enjoying the fountain. There are hundreds of these green green um, metal chairs surrounded mm-hmm. by the fountain. Um, these were intentionally introduced by the, the French government in the 20s. Um, and I think those have been the, the original chairs for may, perhaps a 100 years. It, it really shows how Paris prioritizes uh, public space and prioritizes this communal sense of ownership over the city which I don't think is always apparent or always encouraged in in Chicago
1: yeah well what stood out to you among the responses that you got Rick because I know that there were some really negative ones in there as well
2: I mean yeah I, I you know I didn't expect the um, having a meal and a, and a coffee next to a beautiful fountain would be a, a controversial topic um, yeah. I, I think you know there, there were a lot of I mean it's it's Chicago Twitter so I think that there were a lot of you know, similar themes or you know reasons why we can't have nice things. I think you know the crime definitely popped up a lot, or or city corruption. There was a lot of traction with you know things like the weather, um, and I think like native Chicagoans, you know, like not wanting something like this, which didn't really get expanded on. I think as much as I would have liked to have heard, and I think it goes back to this idea that you know it's 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 about. This is supposed to be the front porch of Chicago, right? And so, like what what sort of hospitality do we extend not only to our own citizens but the people that are visiting here? Yeah. like like what 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 image do we want people to walk away from you know yeah. Chicago with? Um, I think that uh, if I were the Chicago Parks Department, I think the one the one response that I found the most alarming. Was that Grant Park sucks, and I think that you know, like a lot of people are just like, you know, man, that's just like a place for Lollapalooza. Um, that it's it's kind of isolated from you know the Loop and and the rest of the city, and and I mean, and and as I was walking through the park, like I was um, walking past the uh, like little like Lincoln Statue Pavilion area, and you know, it was it definitely felt yeah. unkept, yeah. You know, I mean, it was it was very empty. There was you know the grass hadn't been mowed recently. A lot of the walkways were in in disrepair, Um, so I think that there was there were a lot of people that were just like, I don't go to Grant Park. I never go there. Like, I I don't spend money there. I don't spend time there. Yeah. Um. There were, you know, there were some people that were like, I I have visitors that come in from out of town that want to go there, and I don't like, I don't enjoy taking them there. And I think that's that's a huge problem for this this you know. It is yeah.
1: Great great point. Let, let's let's hear what uh, someone else thinks here. Christina's calling from Lakeview. Hi, Christina. Welcome to Reset. Hi.
4: Thank you. Well, first, I just want to endorse the issue about we could make our city look a lot more like a European city if we want to be really world uh, world class. Um, I, I have questions of how, uh, you know, um, trying to increase safety by the of po- presence of police officers, because that's oppressive to those of us who want to just relax and enjoy that space. Um, I also um, feel that Grant Park is not something that draws me. I'm down in the loop all the time, but I'm not drawn to come there because I agree with the person that said it's like Lollapalooza, and it seems like it's a space for big crowds and not for someone like me. It needs more seating. It needs to be, you know, the more that people are in a place and take over the place in a positive way, there's so much research that supports that that is what makes things safe. Mm-hmm. And for us to be reactionary because we had um, gun, uh, you know, we had that shooting. I mean, my heavens, we're going to let one shooting change our policy. That curfew is, it's unenforceable period. It's not going to be enforceable. And to draw the police officers from other areas to do that, I mean, there's going to be violence between the police officers because the people are going to push back and they are going to be carrying guns. And um, I think if we abandon that space, I think we're just going to create more crime.
1: Thanks for your call, Christina. appreciate that. Um, Taylor, weigh in here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for your, your comment, Christina. No, I would really agree with you. Um I think the you know, talking about the, the, the shooting death that happened at the sixteen year old last week and the now the um the curfew on minors in, in Millennium Park, it really calls into question who um public parks and public spaces is for. Um there are um, exceptions to um the The rule for teens going to ticketed events, um, including large festivals, um, including uh, Malapuza, you know, which which has, you know, a lot of um, suburban teens coming in from the suburbs. Um, I think it calls into question um, which teens we want in the parks, and um, you know, it begs the question: who should be feeling safe in um, yeah. our public parks?
1: Rick, uh, I'll give you the last word here. What more do you want to see? I mean, clearly you have. Stirred up a very interesting discussion here.
2: I, I, I definitely agree with with the the comments here about you know prime concerns and not letting that override the wide possibilities for these spaces, right? And um, I think that it's 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 not a reason to just sort of you know unilaterally like lay down any cool ideas or approaches that we have to these these very public, very important spaces to us. Um, I I do think that you know overall. I think it's just about having having a broader conversation about an openness to vision. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately, like not to sound too boilerplate about it, but you know, just getting people involved and, you know, having people show up for those those parks meetings and just really advocating for their city as much as possible. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that even outside of the parks district, like looking at our streets and our sidewalks, I mean those those are public spaces, right? And you know, maybe having more pedestrians, more, you know, bike safety, um, you know, more I I I was in Turkey last year and you wouldn't believe the street life in these these pedestrianized streets. Mm-hmm. Um you know they're that they're you know open all night long, like department stores. You can go buy clothes at two o'clock in the morning. Um and it's just so full of life and very
1: different. And yeah.
2: Very different. And, yeah. it, and it's, it really just speaks to our, our you know how we just approach all public space in the city, I think.
1: That's Chicagoan Rick Weber and Chicago freelance journalist Taylor Moore. Thank you both for coming on the show and, of course, for starting this conversation. Let's turn to another voice on this topic. Joining us now is Emily Tallon, a professor of urbanism at the University of Chicago. Professor Tallon, this conversation started at Buckingham Fountain in Grant Park. This is actually one of the biggest fountains in the world – but its plaza is still empty a lot of the time what do you think that is
5: yeah i notice that all the time walking by i mean you have to you have to wonder who's really got a sense of ownership about this park you know who's who's it really for who cares about it is it just tourists who are visiting is it you know locals there's no kind of immediate constituency for that park um, because uh, who's living around it. And more importantly, who's really had a voice in creating that park? Yeah. Um, That's the most important thing.
1: Yeah. And and I want to be clear, you know, we, we want to acknowledge that this city does take pride in and invest in its public spaces uh, we love the parks here in chicago but these are just a few ideas as, as we keep the conversation rolling here on how to just take things to the next level let's uh, go to the phones now jennifer from beverly's been standing by hey jennifer welcome to reset hi how are you doing well what do you think
6: so i have lived in chicago all of my life i'm african-american and i remember. When there was a ton of things going on in Grant Park, and so it has been through the leadership of Daly, Mayor Daly, former Mayor Daly, the second one, uh, when he disinvested in Grant Park to focus on the development of Millennium Park and the Bean, and then Rahm Emanuel disinvested in Grant Park to focus on Lollapalooza, and so. There was a time in the 80s and the 90s when I always invited all of my friends to come to Grant Park. Mm. We had Venetian night. Uh we had weekly concerts at the Grant Park um the 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 I, I don't know the name, but the the stage there in Grant Park and there were vendors church's chicken was a vendor at Buckingham yeah. fountain and as a teenager i was i'm a black i was a black teenager and there's a conversation about black curfew and all that stuff and safety but when i was in high school downtown was the place to go it was welcoming it was- yeah. It was it was where you went for dates when you wanted to hang out with your friends. You would invite them to come downtown because it was nice. There was fireworks every week and yeah. all I'm seeing is them pulling out all the things that was great. I just found out that the taste of Chicago is what, three days when the Taste of Chicago used to be 10 days, and it was huge, and it was fun, and it had fireworks downtown, yeah. and Rami Manuel pulled that back. So the things that we're seeing is not is used to be there under Harold Washington. He really made downtown and Grant Park with the Blues Fest, the Jazz yeah. Fest, the Gospel Fest— Festive. I it hear you. Great. We had summer dance in Grant Park, where people would come and dance to house music, to country music, to salsa.
1: Sounds like a great time, but not 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 so Can much the case. That? Yeah, not so much the case anymore. Um, Professor, what do you think about what Jennifer's saying here? I, I wonder how you design a public place that people actually want to stay in and not just walk through, like what's been happening lately, making it more of a welcoming space, like what Jennifer's describing.
5: Yeah, that's an amazing historical perspective. Right? It
1: sounds like a law. fabulous time.
5: Yeah, yeah, that uh, it makes me very sad. You know, what's happened? Um, is this a result of um, corporate interests wanting to kind of, you know, make everything kind of whitewashed and, and you know, increase police presence and just um, have more control over the space as opposed to, letting people um, do what they want to do. So, you know, the number one thing about what makes a great park or public place is that the people who use it have a role in creating it and designing it and programming it and managing it. I mean, that's that's the holy grail of the best kind of placemaking. You know, the fact is that places like Grant Park, were not part of a um, community-empowered, you know, process of designing the space. So you're dealing with something very, very different. But I I find it really heartening that it was um, previously um, something a lot more used. It had sociability, it had lots of users and uses and activities. It was comforting to go there. Um, So you want to think about access to the park. You want to think about linkages to surrounding spaces. Mm -hmm. You want to... What
1: about seating? Seating is important.
5: Oh, yeah, seating. This is what I tell my students, the number one thing. Do you yourself want to go hang out there? And if so, why? And if not, why not? And often they say... Well, there's nowhere to sit. there are no chairs. you know where would where could I just hang out mm-hmm. and I wonder if, um in our rush to to sort of try to make places safer because of a perception of criminal activity, if we've kind of gotten rid of those hangout spaces and those that ability to linger um I don't know that that may be what's happened.
1: Let's jump back to the phones here. Steve in Hyde Park has been waiting. Hi, Steve.
0: Hi. Um, thanks for having this conversation. I think it's it's very important. I have a couple of ideas. One is why couldn't the city encourage more food trucks to be um, present in the parks, and then they could provide tables and chairs, and independent small business vendors and you mm-hmm. know entrepreneurs could could uh, thrive and take advantage of of the city uh, park access. That's a good question. The other idea I had is if they needed police presence, if that's a mandatory thing, why not use the the, uh, cops on bicycles or horseback? I think that they're much more approachable, friendly, um, and that may be self-selecting. It may be officers that do that work or opt for those patrols are more outgoing and friendly people, but that would also be a good public face for... Mm -hmm the city and the parks and provide some security yeah. if needed.
1: Good point Steve, uh, Professor Talon, I mean I put Steve's first question to you cuz uh, this is another thing that did come up a lot in that thread on on Twitter was was food, food options, right? Steve asked about food trucks. What's the history there of Chicago allowing food vendors in public spaces? <laughs>
5: yeah I feel like uh Chicago has been really behind the curve on allowing uh food trucks and and you know that kind of thing and and you go to other cities and there's just so many food vendors and you know why why is that the case um, I actually don't have an answer for that but i I just know that this has been brought up many many times mm-hmm. and why the city isn't responding it it's probably having to do with perceptions about lack of safety, lack of, you know, control over, you know, whoever has access to public space. There have been cities um, getting into lots of legal troubles over, you know, who has the right to the sidewalk and encroachment of various kinds. But they've worked it out. You know, these Mm -hmm. these issues are difficult, but you need to sit down at the table with everyone and work it out and, you know, allow food vending to happen.
1: Let's hear from Gregory in Rogers Park. Hi, Gregory.
7: Good morning or afternoon, rather. And based on my experience of living in London uh, in Mayfair, just across from Hyde Park in 1982-83, I think as a native Chicagoan that the Bobby booth and the Bobby on foot is there's nothing like the police officer on foot patrol, not in a squad car parked in the middle of Michigan Avenue with the strobe lights going to show police presence. Even the horse is a special occasion kind of presence. The bicyclist is moving. We want him rooted and stationed in the community Mm -hmm. as part of the landscape. And when you put them in a heated booth during the winter, that's also air-conditioned in the summer, it makes them part—a kind of a classy presentation of them as an integral part of the landscape. And they are every two blocks or so, and it needs to be in the entire downtown zone because this is a crisis and an emergency. Until we invest in grammar school and high school and employment in the neighborhoods. We're going to have a problem, and we're going to lose tourism. We're going to lose conventions and corporations. So it's a very, very serious Situation we have on our hands right now, and we need to take back the downtown in a classy way with the officers on foot patrol with their own dedicated booths.
1: Interesting. Thank you, Gregory, for your call. Um, Professor Gregory brings up uh, London-style booths where you know police can sort of have these air conditioning, uh, air-conditioned booths to uh, you know protect them while they uh, patrol. You know, on foot. Um, London, in in Gregory's comment in our segment before when I talked with freelance journalist Taylor Moore, she suggested Chicago could make its public spaces look more like Paris. Uh, You know, interestingly, in the 90s, then Mayor Richard Daley traveled to Paris and actually came back with these grand plans, you know, building lighting and, and flower plantings on Michigan Avenue. But if we really wanted to borrow ideas from France, what could he have brought back instead, you think? (laughs)
5: <laughs> well, what's interesting about that is, you know, we are, we already have done that, you know, Daniel Burnham in the 19th century did go to Paris and did uh, look at all the Beaux-Arts classicism going on and he brought it back to Chicago and, and that was the whole idea um, behind his 1909 plan and, you know, parts of it show up in Grant Park, Um look, we need all kinds of creative ideas for these problems. I, I, you know, boots on the ground of, you know, police on horses and food vendors, you know, bring it all on. But let's have a process whereby we can get people engaged in figuring out what to do about park design, about public space design in general. And I think what is lacking is the right process for getting that engagement, getting mm-hmm. that input, getting the public participating in it. Um, and I think Chicago, I don't, I don't exactly know why, but it really is behind the curve. We don't have neighborhood planning. I know that that's talked about all the time. Um, but I have been studying the the um, situation with neighborhood planning in Chicago, and it's very reactive. Yeah. It's you know here's a development, let's organize against it. You know rather than a positive proactive. Here's our vision for the way neighborhoods should be. Here's our vision for public spaces um, and moving forward on that in a collaborative way. And it's all about the process to me.
1: You you mentioned Daniel Burnham, who's the architect who designed um, Chicago's 1893 World's Fair and and much of the city. Um, Burnham and other people planning these public spaces from the top down, they were upper class, right? And at the same time, the city had labor strikes and tenement housing and poverty, especially among immigrants here. So how did that context, you think, affect what the planners were trying to do and how they actually saw these public spaces?
5: Yeah, I mean, American public parks were conceptualized, built, and managed by upper middle-class white males. And often it was to protect their white women and children. So, so that's a legacy there um, that we're living with. I think that there, I I love the caller who talked, who is African-American who talked about going downtown and, and she felt welcome and and included. And, and that's wonderful that we've moved on um, beyond that, but, but through a sort of combination of, of policing and social pressure, um, you know, there are ways to sort of ensure certain social practices um, that are about control. And I think we need to really make sure that we're making everyone feel included mm-hmm. in park mm-hmm. space.
1: Let's hear from Damien in Logan Square. Hi, Damien. Hi, how are you?
5: Doing well. What are you your thoughts? Sure, sure. Go um, ahead. This conversation
8: is very vast. You know, if we talk about uh, just access to parks, I'm 50 years of age. Um, Grant Park meant a lot of different things to different people over the time. Um, I think when I was a kid, I remember seeing lots of police officers on on uh, horses back at that point in time. It was just part of the experience. Um, as far as the access, you know, I think uh, with the person speaking as far as the, the programming or whatnot or is, has to be uh, addressed, but I think just that some people don't feel welcome in all different spaces in the city. Um, and I think it's just the education that needs to be uh, put out there for what those parks were designed for. Mm-hmm. And even if we go back to Olmsted or even, to uh, burn them you know in terms of what we've had it's having those parks over a period of time i'm not sure if they had even had the idea that these parks would still exist but they're here and we need to find a way to uh, continue the program even back to chicago fest or even the, the 20 days of rotation of, um, chicago and the different events used to happen week and weekend uh, through the park you know those people that are even new transplants to the city mm-hmm. don't have that history to understand what the park was utilized for they only know the last 15 years so trying to find ways to regenerate uh, what the park can be for, or what the parks can be. I, I've been in, I grew up in Lincoln Park. I live in Logan Square the last 20 years. Yeah. And obviously the gentrification is something that maybe changes how people um, navigate these places, mm-hmm. but access um, needs to be for everyone. Yeah. Safety is another thing. I, I, I manage a large restaurant in the city. Um, and as far as people not feeling safe in the city is, is an issue. Yeah. And you have to find a way to, um, uh, how should I say, not, single out any particular group, but there has to be something done to have those um, Yeah, safety is a stays. citywide a thing. For
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Damien. Appreciate your call. Professor, did you want to give us a final thought here before we wrap?
5: Yeah, um, I'll just reiterate that um, all of these problems that we're seeing with parks and, and public spaces in general um, there are solutions um, that are being tried all over the place. We need to be creative. We need to have a really good conversation about it. And we need to make sure that pe- people have input um, for what is going to be done to yeah. solve yeah. our issues.
1: That is Emily Talon, professor of urbanism, urbanism at the University of Chicago. Thank you so much, professor. You're welcome. It for today's Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow.